Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, powered by Guardian Caps. The Guardian Cap is a leading soft shell helmet cover engineered for impact reduction, worn by over 200 colleges, over 200 high schools, and over 500 youth programs, and all 32 NFL teams. In each episode of the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast, where we are in search of how can we get better today. Our guest today is probably the greatest high school coach in America. I call him the Yoda of high school coaches. He's absolutely amazing. It is Chris Yeager from Mountain Brook High School in Birmingham, Alabama. But before we get started, Chris, because I have seen you guys practice and I do know you wear guardian caps and I do know they sponsor this show. What's your take on um, the guardian caps? Oh, well, the way that we got into guardians, uh, John, you know, a few years ago, you know, when we had the, you know, I guess you just call it the concussion hysteria in football and, you know, people were bleeding players, you know, and, and people were getting out of the game and stuff. And so, you know, we said, we made the comment, you know, we're going to be the safest football team in America. And so how can we do that? And, you know, we've taken some steps, but uh, we put a guardian on every player in our program from third grade through 12th grade. Our, our rec league, youth league, we've got 350 players in our rec league. And uh, every one of those guys, they, they don't take the field without a guardian. And, um, you know, it's the same thing in the, you know, their varsity is seven through 12. We do not have one person. And if a player has done something with his guardian, he doesn't, he does not go on the field without that guardian. And I'm a believer in him. It, it not only, you know, uh, you know, disperses the energy from impact, but I tell you one thing it does too, it preserves those helmets a lot. You know, you use them in practice and uh, it's in that guardian cap instead of your helmet. So I think it preserves it. I think it does a lot of great things, but anyway, I'm a, I'm a believer in the guardian. I appreciate that. Hey, and and I am too, um, likewise. Let me ask you this before we roll on to today's topic. Safety and football. I I mean, I, I tell our parents that I don't know that this sport has ever been safer to play right now than it's ever been. What would be your take on that statement? Well, football attracts a different breed of young man. You know, I mean, they're wired just a little bit different and – you know, the kind of people that gravitate to football, they're going to go pursue things that have some risk involved in them. The thing about football is it's it's supervised. You know, we, we are trained in teaching the safest technique, the safest equipment in a safe environment, a controlled environment. And it sort of scratches the itch of the young man, you know, that does lean a little bit more toward uh, being physical, taking risk and stuff like that. And, uh, I think it's, you know, it's just uh, the way that it is now. I mean, the way people are handling contact and the whole nine yards, trainers and just layers and layers of medical supervision in the sport now, I've never seen it as, as safe. And I think all those changes are good. I, I'm, I very much welcome all the positive, you know, changes that have come to – safety changes that have come to football. I do likewise, and I had a kid – uh, last year, I guess it was last year, big time baseball player in our, in our city and, you know, had not played football and, you know, we kind of became buddies and, you know, I started not really, uh, 
you know, talking to him about playing football, but it started coming up, you know, cause he was in my class and mother was opposed and I got to know the family. And I ended up telling the mom one day, I was like, I tell you what, why don't you come out and watch us practice one day? Just come out have a seat. I said, it's safer than you would ever think. Like you're playing a sport where they throw a ball 90 plus miles per hour and can hit you in the head. Like we at least have caps on, right? We got uh, a guardian. Like we got all the time. And she did. She came out and watched practice. And, you know, the kid come out and played football. And it has been absolutely great because I am a I do believe, you know, that it's as safe as it's ever been. You know, and I think that is a compliment to how uh, great our coaches are and how much they have learned to, you know, keep the head out of football, to manage a practice schedule and stuff like that. All right, Chris, we kind of we kind of went there before. I, I, this is my first question. You know, give me a five minute um resume your life from birth to today in a in a summation who is who is chris yeager uh grew up in a small town in north alabama uh on a farm uh grew up working on the farm my whole life and uh, uh started playing football when i was in the seventh grade it was the only thing that my father would allow us to do besides working on the farm uh, because he saw value in it. He saw the education value and the developmental value in it. And, um, you know, at an early age, I saw it as a, I've hoped it would be a ticket off the farm, to be honest with you. And I uh, got a scholarship to the University of North Alabama and played there and uh, coached there for one year as a student assistant, went to Austin Peay State, East Tennessee State as a coach, uh, University of Alabama, Troy, and then uh, at Troy, I'd been offered a couple of jobs in college and just decided at that point I'd been coaching in college for 12, 13 years. And I just decided that I was going to do what I'd always wanted to do, which is coach high school football. And um, I've, you know, coached at West Blockton High School, Walker High School in Georgia. I coached at Coffee County, Peach County, but I've been at, at uh, Mountain Brook for the last, uh, going on my 25th year this year. So anyways, uh, been the head coach here for 18 years. Came here as an offensive coordinator. And then when Joey Jones left to start the football program at Birmingham Southern, they named me the, the head coach. So I've been been doing that since. Well, that's awesome. You know, several years ago, I, I asked Will Hall, who's now the head coach at Southern Miss, I said, you know, tell me who's the top two or three coaches in the state of Alabama, you know, and this is when I'm in Mississippi. And, you know, he spits out your name first. And I think he, having knew you and knew me, I think he knew that, that relationship would hit it off pretty good, you know, two old school O-line guys. And, you know, that was when I first asked, could I come over and hang out and, you know, had a, had a great day learning football. And, you know, what I didn't expect was, you know, to find a good friend and to find a mentor and to find somebody that would help change the course of my life health wise. Okay. Um, you know, and, Earlier this week, we had we had a one percent podcast that actually talked about, you know, my trip over there, how it motivated me to get started, to start closing my rings, start eating more healthy and all this. Um, I guess what I want you to share or would like for you to share is your health journey. Like, you know, and I know I don't know if it was pre-COVID, during COVID, at some point in time, you started, I guess you had a doctor's visit that you know, didn't turn out exactly like you thought it was. And then you have since that time transformed yourself, you know, and kind of been on a mission 
you know, a little bit at a time, you know, if you wouldn't mind sharing that story because it sure inspired me. Sure. Um, well, following the 2019 football season, I went in for my annual checkup, my physical, and uh, just like I did at the, the end of every football season. And I'd never, you know, gotten any report back that was, you know, was any uh, cause for concern. And so anyway, my wife and I, um, we were in uh, the grocery store and we were, matter of fact, show, shopping for groceries and uh, I get a call from the doctor. And so he starts going down my numbers and he's, he's very surprised at every one of them. And so anyway, he, he got to the very end of it. And he said, one thing I'm really concerned about, he says, your PSA has doubled since the last time um, that you visited. And he says, you know, I want you in for a follow-up checkup. And, and I said, is this any reason to be concerned? You know, and, not a whole lot of bedside manner, but he said it. He said if it wasn't a reason for concern, I wouldn't be calling you. And so anyway, um, we're in there, and there's a man that's shopping right beside us, and he hear, he overhears my phone call, elderly gentleman, and he said uh, he said PSA, and and I didn't and I didn't even know how to answer him. And so I shook my head yes, and so he said tomatoes, and so he just walked off. And so my wife started piling tomatoes in our bag in our grocery cart, and. Uh, so anyway, and I said, are we going to do this? And, and I said, that was just an old man. And I said, what, I mean, what was, you know, how's he qualified to, to make prescriptions? And so she said, he's old, you know? And so anyway, I started eating those tomatoes and uh, I go back in for a checkup 60 days later. And then I get a call back from the doctor. I'm in the weight room, the phone rings and I walk out into the hall and my heart's just pounding. Cause I know, you know, he's told me if it's still high, you know what, you know, the road that we'd be going down. So I was, real nervous. And uh, he said, my numbers had dropped below where they, you know, they'd cut in half and even lower. And uh, he asked me what I'd done. I told him, he said, well, I've heard of that. And he said, it's a wives tale. I said, all I know is my PSA is down. And so one of the things I got to thinking is, you know, if, if that would affect my health in that way, you know, what else could affect my health? And so I started, you know, just looking up online, you know, the, the, how food, you know, affected our bodies. You know, everybody's saying now that, you know, food is the, uh, is, is the modern day medicine, you know, and the food that we eat, even performance, uh, you know, it's performance enhancing, you know, our performance enhancing drug, the modern day performance enhancing drug is food, you know? And so, uh, the more I researched, I heard people, you know, I got on a couple of blogs and people were talking about this thing called the smoothie Bible. And so I got the smoothie Bible and I got to looking through the smoothie Bible and it had the list of uh, all the foods, you know, uh, healthy foods and then how it affected your body. Everything from, you know, sleep apnea to, to acne to, I mean, uh, you name it. And so anyway, uh, I started making a list of the things that I wanted to start eating for. You know, one was it was, you know, it was uh, about the time that COVID started and one was for, you know, my immune system you know, bone health, uh, my eyes, my skin, everything is, uh, joint health, everything, my heart health, my circulation helped me sleep. And so I just made a list and I started looking at what foods would help me achieve those things. And I started making smoothies. And so I, when I first started out, it was two smoothies a day and, uh, and it filled me up pretty good. And, and then it was a, a meal. And so, um, I started dropping weight and at the same time I had read, uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And, um, um, so I started, you know, evaluating myself a self-evaluation as far as, 
you know, the habits, because I, at that time I was the heaviest I had ever been. I was 238 pounds. I'd never been that heavy. Um, when I played in college, I played at about 200 pounds. And uh, so I'd never been that heavy before I saw a picture from Thanksgiving. And so, you know, all the things from the, from the doctor uh, visit with the numbers and seeing my picture and stuff. And uh, it just, it, it alarmed me. And so anyway, the, when I started looking at my habits, one of the habits that I had created was I would, during football season, I would come home and I would uh, watch practice from that day. I'd sit in the recliner, watch practice from, from that day. And then I would eat and then I would continue watching practice. And then uh, eventually I fall asleep. A lot of times I fell asleep in the recliner when the football season was over with. I kept that, you know, kept doing that habit. I kept, you know, uh, watching TV instead of, instead of football. And, uh, you know, you do three years of that and all of a sudden, you know, you're 50 pounds heavier and that's what I had done. So to break that, I did what James Clear calls, uh, stacking. And so instead of coming home and going to the recliner, I started out just by going to our mailbox and just conversing with neighbors and whatnot. And then walking up down the street, walking around the neighborhood and it just grew to where, you know, I was walking for, you know, an hour and then I started lifting weights and then I started walking, jogging and then started jogging. I hadn't jogged in 19 years because I've had three knee reconstructions. But anyway, I started back jogging. And uh, anyway, um, you know, over time, it took me seven months. But, I, you know, it, it was one of the easiest ventures I'd ever had. Though. The, the front, front end of it was tough. I'll tell you the toughest thing, though, John, was getting off processed food. When I first started trying to get off processed food, I couldn't. You know, it was like... I mean, I was truly addicted. And so the first time I, I tried, I could. And the second time I tried, the third time I said, I'm going to take this thing just like an addict would. And I went minute by minute, hour by hour. And I was just sweating profusely. But I'll never forget about two weeks after I had been uh, off of processed food, two or three weeks, and I had a smoothie. And for the first time, I mean, it was like the, I tell everybody, it's like the clouds parted for the first time I saw sunshine and colors. And I've read about it, you know, that breaking the processed food addiction. And for the first time I had failed my, uh, I had fed myself at the cellular level. And um, so from there, it was just, I started eating for health. I started eating for fuel and, uh, and it just changed everything. Let me ask you this, fed yourself at the cellular level. Was What does that mean? Well, in our cells, there's a thing called the mitochondria. Okay. And the mitochondria, uh, you know, produces energy uh, in the form. It takes our food and it, and it turns it into ATP, which is the raw fuel that we we use. And so uh, the healthier the cell, the more efficiently it converts the food into ATP. Matter of fact, our age, you know, our really, you know, we all have a chronological age, but we're not all, we don't all age at the same rate. And we really rate at the age that our cells rate. Um, um, and so, you know, cellular, you know, cellular hunger, you know, when the body wants fuel, when it needs fuel, it sends a signal. It's not an appetite and it's not eating because of time. It's just, uh, there's just a sensation, you know, and you know that you're hungry on the cellular level and then you eat until that stops. And, uh, you know, and, and you're just, you're eating for, for, for energy, basically for fuel. One thing too, you know, that for me, um, that I had, you know, the reason I got into smoothies too, you know, there's two kinds of digestion, chemical and mechanical and smoothies. It'll do the mechanical, uh, digestion for you and you drink the smoothie and, um, you know, and then, uh, it, uh, 
you don't you spend all your energy on the chemical digestion. So anyway, um, smoothies are incredible for for cellular health. Okay, so you know when I came over there, you made me a smoothie, and I I tried it and loved it. So I came home. I had you video yourself making a smoothie. There's no telling how many households that they have the video of you making the smoothie because I've shared it with people all over the freaking South, right? Well, in these smoothies, you know, we have the greens, which is the spinach, the kale, the broccoli, and a few of the little baby carrots. We put in some almond milk. And I don't know if you still are or not, a little shake of turmeric. And we turn that into a green substance that doesn't look like it's great, okay? Then we take another one and we take a quarter of a green banana because green bananas have more nutritional value than, you know, ripe bananas, strawberries, blueberries, and pineapples. And we, you know, we, we pour our greens back in with our fruit and then i'm still because i like peanut butter i'm putting a scoop of crunchy peanut butter in it and then i put some uh whey protein which is whatever you know you've told me the the last one i bought was the naked whey you know so i bought that uh chocolate peanut butter i've tried vanilla like i've got several you know strawberry whatever so we put in the the uh, protein powder and then we blend it up. And man, it is awesome. Like it tastes great. And then, you know, like what, what I most, although it tastes great, I know what I'm getting in my body. You know, like I know I'm getting things that are cleaning the streets in my body. You know, like I have damaged them pretty good over the first 52 years, 50 years, you know, so I need some uh, good things in there and it's absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, the book I'm reading right now, Comfort Crisis, he talks about, you know, eating a little differently than some people do, you know, like he talks about, for example, a potato. A lot of people will tell you potatoes are bad, potatoes are bad, but he's like, potatoes in itself are not bad. Potatoes, you know, fill you up, you know, whereas you can eat like a bag of Doritos, as I used to, you could eat the entire bag and lick your fingers with the little orange dust, right? And go open up another bag and let's let's get started on that, man. Like you, you would never get full. Pizza. I mean, you can eat a whole pizza. And then there's no, there's nothing in there that fills you up. Whereas, you know, a potato is something that, you know, signals to your body that you are full, you know, now when you cut them up and fry them and do all the things that we do to them in fast food restaurants, right. They're not very good. Um, but you know, I think, you know, the smoothies for me have been really big, you know, they're nutritious, but they're also, man, like they're feeding me the things that we need because, you know, tell me this of the, you know, the items in the smoothie, you know, how did you come by? And you may have, you know, you may be doing it a little different now, but how did you come by the actual items that we put in there? Um, and, you know, kind of what, you know, what did they mean? Like how nutritional are they? Well, you know, the, uh, I went down the, in the smoothie bottle, I started looking at all the things health wise that I wanted to achieve 
and then it listed it listed all the foods that I could put into my uh to my smoothie and I just started taking the ones that were the had the top value like antioxidants you know well blueberries there's not a better fruit than blueberries kale's incredible spinach is incredible you know broccoli's like a superfood um you know my my we're going my family we're going through a thing right now my mom's got alzheimer's and um you know i've been a lot more conscious about thanks to you my sleep and the whoop band uh but also you know brain health and so one of the things that's you know that I, i've started eating more of is avocados and so i replace uh and i don't always but most of the time i do replace my uh peanut butter with an avocado it's a it's a healthy fat it's great for your brain but anyway it, it's whatever i think that i need if, if you know if uh if I'm going to work out, you know, the pineapple, the greatest value of a pineapple, it's one of the best post-workout fruits that you can have, you know, and it's a, it's just a sudden, a great burst of energy. Um, but, you know, it's just whatever my, the, the need is, um, you know, the, I'll, I'll tell you something. I went to a, a coaching clinic uh, yesterday and so they had some, you know, Chick-fil-A there. And I, and so anyway, I had brought me some nuts and some, some, uh, you know, mixed nuts and stuff to eat. And I thought about eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I thought, you know, if I eat the Chick-fil-A sandwich, I'm going to miss out on my opportunity to eat my, to, to drink my smoothie. And I, that's how I look at it now. You know, I used to feel like I was really depriving myself, but now, you know, on when I look at other foods, I look at if I eat this food, I'm going to, I'm going to deprive myself of an opportunity to eat the, those good things for my body and my body to get, um, you know, to, to, to get better and to be more healthy. One thing too, John, I forgot to mention that you and I have talked a lot about is, you know, I think you went down this road too, is started starting to make decisions based on your identity. And we talked about, you know, making decisions and saying, you know, what would a healthy person do? And I've, I've discovered this, you know, I first started out saying, what would a healthy person do? And I got to the point where I'd been down the path so long, I would go somewhere and somebody would offer me cake or cookies or whatever. And I'd say, I went from saying, what would a healthy person do to, you know, I don't do that. And so I took on that identity myself. And then the, the, the last stage of that is, um, like I mentioned, I was at a coaching clinic the other day and, and one of the ladies that was serving food, I don't know how she knew this, but she said, you don't eat this stuff, do you? And so she basically told me what my identity was. So it went from me, having the identity of a healthy person, having my own identity. And then other people will tell you that you're, you know, that you're a healthy person. And so that's sort of the progression, but it does, you know, it does come down to uh, shifting your identity and making decisions from your identity, whatever that is. You know, one of the, one of the best books I've read lately is the power of one more, right. With Ed Milet. And he says, there's three ways that one can shift their identity um, faith, associations, and intentions. And like you said, there is a there is a huge difference between I'm trying to quit smoking and I do not smoke. You know, like the stories we tell ourselves. So, you know, when I first, you know, started on this path because my eating habits were so bad, like my identity for the first 50 years of my life was you know, like my dad, you know, like we, we come from a big family, like our holidays and our man, like eating is what we do. You know, when I go home to this day, you know, like you ought to see the spread of food. Right. And I would not call it nutritious. You know, that's not the word I would use. I would call it country 
um, and good. Okay. But you know, like my identity was that's, that's what we did. That's how we celebrated. That's how we, you know, became a family. That's where we met, you know, I mean, that was, you know, that's just what it was. So when I first started out, you know, after visiting with you and I've got some friends here in Nixa that are um, very health conscious that have been a big influence, you know, like I would have to walk into, you know, the Mexican restaurant toting my, you know, zero carb shells and say, you know, I identify as a healthy person, you know, and I would just tell myself that and it, it made life easier, you know, like, and then making decisions, you know, does become easier, you know, same thing with walking, right? Like, you know, like I am a walker, you know, like I was not a walker, you know, I had to make myself a walker, but now I'm a walker, you know, now I'm a, you know, me and Stephanie look for neat places to walk. We look for, you know, uh, pretty venues that we can walk down a river or, you know, like, because we, you know, we're walkers, you know, like we did change our identity and, you know, I would dare say everybody, um, can change their identity, you know, if they want to tell me this, the book atomic habits, like obviously one of the top books, um, in the world. And I know, I think you actually make contact with him because of the influence the book had on you, you know, like what, you know, how big of an influence was the book and did you make contact with James clear? I did. Um, you know, the, um, when I read the book, um, I knew, you know, the, the, the great thing to me about the book was, and, and this is one of the things I shared with James clear. Um, I did not want to be on a diet. I've been on diets before and they don't last, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to go to iron tribe and do that for 90 days and lose weight. And then all of a sudden go back to what it was. I wanted to have a plan for, uh, that I could have for the rest of my life. And I want to, you know, and you and I've talked about this, but you know, I turned, I'm turned 60 last year. And I said, I want my sixties to be my absolute best decade. I want to finish so strong and I want to be able to give to the very end. I feel like, and, and these are some of the things I shared with James clear. I said, you know, I feel like right now I have more to offer because I've learned more. I've experienced more, um, you know, I just feel like I've got more to offer and, and I want to make sure that I want to, I keep doing that. Uh, but one of the things that James Clear just really stuck, you know, really hit home with me was when he was talking about how, um, you know, we make these decisions and a small decision over a long period of time can have unbelievable results. And, you know, when I started this journey, I said, I am in this for the long haul. I am in this you know, I want a rest of my life plan. And one of the things too, he talks about in his book, he says, a lot of times people reach a goal and they get bored with it and, you know, they lose a lot of weight or they quit whatever and they get bored with it. And then they start back, they go back down that path. And so he's the one thing that I just love was him talking about, there's no detail. It's too small. Every decision matters. Every single decision matters. And the, the other thing too, about, he gives a great plan to me about discipline. You know, he says discipline, making choices of discipline. He says, set yourself up for success in making your choice. He said, in other words, in your refrigerator, you know, don't put a, a cake in the front of your refrigerator. Don't put potato chips in the front of your pantry. Uh, you know, he, one of the things he was talking about is he was trying to quit playing video games. I think it was, and he said he put his TV up 
And so he'd have to, and, his, and all the video games up in a, in a box and in a closet, and he would have to get those down to play. And, um, and, and it's the same way with making choices. You know, when you're going to shop, don't go shopping when you're hungry, um, you know, and, and, you know, shop around the edges first, that kind of thing. But anyway, it's just, you know, you can make yourself, people think that people that do something like this, like that they're super disciplined. I just think that it's just people that have a plan they're passionate about getting it done and, and, and having a plan, you know, me, I, I came down to this, you know, James Clear in our conversation, he made this an incredible point. He said, if you aren't happy with who you are, you got two choices. Spend the rest of your life with the person that you're not happy being. And that's like being in prison or change. He said, it's that simple. He said, do you want to live the rest of your life? Um, you know, being something other than what you wanted to be. And that just hit home with me. Time's running out. I want to finish strong and, um, uh, you know, that just really hit home with me. But anyway, I, I sent him a picture, the before and after picture. And uh, anyway, he touched, you know, he, uh, you know, he uh, contacted me and stuff. And so it was very, very good. We had a good conversation. I know, I know our people can't see the picture, but I've seen the picture and it is phenomenal. You know, the before and after is crazy. And I got a couple of thoughts from what you just said. Number one, I remember Damon West telling me that there are more people locked up outside of prison than locked up inside of prison locked up in their own mind, in their own choices, in their own habits, in their own, you know, and that's, this is changing that in a very positive way. And then something you said that is probably one of my favorite things that I've ever heard, because I am in the exact same, I'm on the same path you're on. You know, if y'all heard him say he's 60, are you 60 or are you 60? 61 now. 61. Okay. But at the age of 60, this man says the next 10 years is going to be the best decade of my life. Now, think about that. The majority of people in the United States of America that are 60 years old or 55 years old or whatever is almost 100 percent wrapped up in, you know, what's retirement going to look like? How am I going to retire? What's it going to be like? What are we going to do? What are we going to, you know, but why? Like, why do you retire if you're just now like hitting your stride and you have so much to give and, you know, like you feel great, you're healthy, you're, you know, like I have no intentions of retiring. Like I absolutely love what I do. I love making a difference in this world. Like, you know, what, if, how are you going to do that in retirement? You know, like I haven't figured that out. So when you said that, that really hit home with me. Um, Another thought, and I, I know I shared this with you, but you know, when you were talking about the Atomic Habits, uh, James Clear's book, which is, all, you know, really great, was, you know, me and my wife probably 18 months ago, um, my wife was wanting to go get the lap band surgery. Like she was just dead set. Like she wants it. And I was I was against it. So she keeps on. And I tell her, I said, look, if if because you can't drink, um, you know, Cokes and she was a Diet Coke um, fanatic. You can't drink things like that when you have that lap band surgery. I said, so if you'll quit Diet Coke, I said, I'll go meet, we'll go to the doctor. So this joker quits Diet Coke stone cold. I'm talking about just quits it. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we go to the doctor and we sit through, man, and I'm contemplating. I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, and the doctors, man, it's, it sounds great. Okay. Well, we leave that day and what struck me was there's no way in the world that I'm going to take a shortcut. I'm just not going to do it. Like if I can't have the discipline to live my life a little bit different, 
then how in the heck am I supposed to, you know, lead these kids on this team or anything else? And I try to get her on board. She's like, no, nah, I'm don't take a shortcut. Like <laughs> I'm taking a shortcut. So she gets it scheduled and she gets it, you know, and I believe in the power of prayer. And Guardian caps are lightweight, one size fits all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment. About the time they were scheduling the surgery, she gets a call that says, unfortunately, um, insurance is not going to pay for this. And she's devastated. And I'm kind of like, hmm, prayer <laughs> does work, right? Like, I guess he answered one for us. And then she had just she decided that, you know, she was gonna jump on board with the walking and eating better. And, you know, to this day, I think she is 70 pounds down, 60 or 70, and just life is better, you know. I mean. Golly, like when you're, and I, I said this earlier in the week, when I went to the doctor on January the 7th of 2022, I got on those scales, I was 407 pounds. Like I have never even seen that number. Like when I stepped on them, I was thinking, man, if I'm over 350, I'm going to be mad. And that joker said for us, I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, I'm gonna promise you when you're 400 pounds, where you park in the parking lot at the grocery store matters. You know, like when somebody wants to say, let's go to Silver Dollar City, you're like, nah, I'll pass on that. You know, life has changed tremendously. You know, like where we park at the local Harder House don't matter to me. We can go to Silver Dollar City anytime you want to. You know, like life has picked up drastically at the age of 52. And a lot of that in large part is, due to you and your influence on me and you know the uh kind of the three degrees of separation right like my wife has benefited from you although she's not a fan of the smoothies i just i have to say like she's she's got this uh green fetish she don't like green stuff you know and although my smoothies rather purple you know when it comes out like the the blueberries kind of take over and i absolutely love it but um, anyway, I'll put the exact directions to how to make the smoothies in the show notes when the, when, you know, um, so that you can have that, or you can reach out to me, man, and I'll shoot you a video of Chris Yeager making them right in his um, kitchen, because I had to use that for a while to figure out how to make them. Um, but they are really good and they are, um, worth your time. All right, let me ask you this and I'm not, I'm going to try not to keep you all night long, although I could talk to you all night long. You just celebrated your 37th wedding anniversary. Is that correct? Right. All right. What I want you to do is I want you to share the uh, text message or the visit, the trip that y'all made, because I ain't a lot to you. I shared that with my wife. We were on a walk when you sent that to me and I got tears in my eyes when I read it, you know, and I gave it to my wife. I, I read it to my wife and look over there at her. She's got tears rolling down her eyes, you know, as to, you know, just how awesome it was. If you would share that story for me, please, sir. Sure. Okay. Um, so throughout my life, one of my favorite spots, um, uh, 
on in the whole world. It's up in Little River Canyon in Fort Payne, Alabama. I've been up in the canyon before, and I used to just go up there by myself and in the down in, by the river in the bottom of the canyon. Canyon, I would uh, camp out and just spend time down there. That's uh, the water's unbelievable. I swim, and I just you know when I needed to just get away or just like I told you the other day, recalibrate. Uh, that's where I'd always find myself. And so it's just been one of my favorite places anywhere. And so uh, my wife and I, I we were, uh, we, we dated for eight years. We started dating when I was a 11th grader. She was a 10th grader. But anyway, um, I had just taken a job at Troy State University and uh, I was going to propose to her. So I take her to Little River Canyon and there's a rock that it was just one of my favorite places just to sit and and think and whatever and so anyway we were on the rock and uh, I said let's take a picture I said this is one of my favorite places and so I set up a camera with a timer on it and as the camera snapping I, I put the ring on her finger and so in that picture that I sent you you know she's just totally shocked didn't see it coming uh completely surprised and so anyway that was in January we we uh we get married in in May of that year so every year we returned to Little River Canyon to the same rock on our on our anniversary, uh, May 31st. And so anyway, we, uh, you know, we talk about the past year, you know, and we talk about the upcoming year and, you know, uh, we sort of evaluate, you know, where we are in our relationship. And then we share dreams and goals for the upcoming year. It's just really a great time for us. And so this past year we went up and this was our 37th trip up there. And, uh, there was a gentleman, uh, we, we never see anybody up there. And so there was an elderly gentleman and he was up there and he was uh, looking over into the canyon and, and whatnot. And so anyway, he said, would you mind taking our picture? And so anyway, he comes over and he snaps the picture. He's just unbelievable. So he starts talking about his wife and, uh, you know, and, and uh, sharing memories about his wife and stuff. And so anyway, he's about to leave and he said, you know, one day, you know, one of you will return to this rock by yourself. And uh, he said, savor every minute, you know, and never miss an opportunity to, sh to give it, to give joy to the other. One. And I tell you what, when he said that, you're talking about you were crying, man, we both were. And it was just an unbelievable moment. And we just sat there just very quiet after he left, you know, and just thinking one about the brevity of life, the blessing of having a great mate, uh, and the things that we share and we learn, um, you know, from one another. Um, so that's what happened. Well, it blessed me because I, you know, I don't know. I, I know having your, your best friend as your mate, I know what that means, you know, in this world and in this lifetime. And, you know, and then I think I had just shared, you know, in the book that I'm reading right now, uh, Comfort Crisis, they use the analogy of, um, if you were out walking, um, you know, in the woods or in the wild and, you know, there was a cliff coming and the cliff was death, you know, you might slow down, you might take in the scenic route, you might smell the roses, you know, and we're all walking that cliff, you know, like that, that day's coming for all of us, you know, so the fact that we should wake up and spend every single day um you know to the very best of our ability is you know something that we all should do you know and you said she was surprised when you when you um asked her to marry you i would say i think you said y'all dated for eight years 
Right. We'll say she was surprised if you dated for a year. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. I thought I dated for a year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doctor. All right, let me ask you this. I appreciate I appreciate that story, man. That is absolutely awesome. And um exercise, you know, like you know, when when I first, you know, uh came home from visiting your place in April. You know, I went to trying to close them rings every day and, you know, like I might could walk a mile at that time. Well, the other morning I raced a fella for three miles um, and I, which I lost by the way, but it was my fastest three miles ever, you know, like, I guess my thought is this, like, as you begin to exercise, your body does adapt. So you either have to go farther or go faster or change kind of what you're doing because, you know, like me and my wife would go walk for 30 minutes, which for us would be like, I don't know, 1.7, 1.8 miles. But let's say you do that for 90 days. At the end of 90 days, you don't have the same benefit as you did the first, you know, like your heart rate's not as high, you don't, you know, you're probably not burning as many calories. Like where, you know, from where you started exercising, you know, when you went to the mailbox that first time to like, what, what, what do you do now, you know, exercise wise? Well, you named a lot of the things that are, um, I think crucial. One is doing it with somebody else just makes such a difference. You know, you're, um, you know, you sort of get lost in conversation or being with, with, with the other person, whatever. And so I, you know, you, you had a, a thing the other day, you were talking about the birds of a feather you know, and finding somebody that's on the same journey as you are. And, uh, and I give an example, like today, Sunday, I was not going to walk. Uh, and my wife got up and she said, I'm going to go walk. Well, I can guarantee you one thing I'm going to go walk and she's going to go walk. And so, you know, it's sort of that catfish principle, you know, you know, if you're ever, you know, you sort of encourage one another, you know, and you're not going to miss. So I think having somebody else with, to do it with you is crucial. The other one is this, I think at some point in time, you've got to find something that you that you thoroughly enjoy and look forward to. Like one of the things that I progressed to doing, I couldn't do this when I first started, but I mountain bike ride now. I could not do that to begin with. And so when I started, I started on a very easy trail. But, you know, I got when I did it, I thought, well, this is like walking. I'm just going a little bit faster. I can see more things and stuff. And so as I got in shape, I could do it. I was more efficient doing it and, and you know, uh, but anyway, it's, it's a change up as far as my joints, the structure and, you know, and stuff. But I think variety is a spice of life. You got to do something. Think of it for the long haul. You know, like to me, I'm a routine person. If I'm not careful, I'll do the same thing every single day, you know. And so I've got to the point now where, you know, two days a week, I like to go mountain bike riding. Um, you know, one, you know, a couple of days I walk and then and then I jog. But I like to change it up. You know, when I lift. I live four days a week. I'll go, you know, uh, lower body, upper body, take it out, lower body, upper body. And there's days too. I, this is crucial too, John. You know, there's going to be days when you, when you go in there and your body's just going to say, you know what, you know, I, I just don't feel like it today. But, you know, James Clear talks about doing a, a, a habit workout. So there's days I go in the weight room and my joints are sore or whatever. Or I didn't get good sleep or whatever. And I say, you know what, today's just going to be a, a habit workout. And I'm going to work out just to say, you know, just, so I don't break the habit of doing this, you know? And so, uh, but I, I do think, you know, I think there's something in us that when we get in shape, 
our body tells us when we need to push it. I think you just answer it. Like to me, when I went from walking, like my, I just walked to the mailbox and up and down the street, then around, but there was something in me that craved more. There's a feeling when you finish and you crave that, you know, and so it just takes a little bit more to, to scratch that itch. You know, one thing I'll tell you too, that uh, in all this, you know, whether it's the nutrition or the exercise, you know, I'm not sure about you, but you know, a lot of times when people talk to me, you know, they, they really focus on the results and how much time is it going to take and that kind of stuff. You know, they really do want a quick fix and a magic bullet and stuff. But I tell you the thing that the thing I've told people this, the changes on the outside are nothing compared to the changes that have happened to me on the inside. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more anxious about doing difficult things. I don't back away from them. Um, you know, I, I don't mind, uh, you know, I don't mind taking risk. You know, it's just, it just changes. You know, I don't know if it's a mental toughness or like you said, you know, about the comfort crisis or whatever, but the changes that occur on the inside are much, much more important than on the outside. And it's not going to happen overnight. The thing that's great about it is it takes time, but the great thing about it is, you know, it takes time to make changes on the inside, you know, it just, you know, and, and that's, what's fun about it. it. The outside stuff is great. It's just gravy. It's out, you know, but it's just, sure. uh, you know, so that has been my experience. Let me ask you this, because we've talked about this earlier, and I've never really thought about this until we had that discussion one Saturday morning. Um, we're in a hotel room, and Stephanie's still in bed, and me and you are Zooming about levels of hunger, okay? Like, we're two football coaches talking about levels of hunger, and my wife is over there, probably got the pillow over her head, like – what are you doing? You know, like what, I mean, and I've never really thought about that, but I've, you know, I've, I have read about it a little bit now because now I understand, you know, a little bit more because when I was really big, I was honest to God, never hungry. Okay. Like that wasn't what level I was at, you know, like I ate out of habit, out of desire, out of want to, you know, like talk to me a little bit about levels of hunger. Sure. Well, you know, when the, there's, there's a, a trigger or, um, a, you know, there's a mechanism within us to tell us when we need food and there's a me mechanism in us to tell us when we've had enough. And, you know, when, you know, the first level, the level, the lowest level is, you know, it's basically just appetite. You know, if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, I'm hungry, but I just don't know what I'm hungry for. Well, that's not hunger. That's appetite. When you're specifically, if there's something in, you know, you want that and it's, you know, uh, but anyway, when, uh, you know, the, the, at the cellular level, as long as there's a, a food supply coming, you're not going to get triggered cellularly that you're hungry. hungry. Uh, when the stomach is, you know, the, there's a feeling when, you know, you've had enough. The stomach will tell you you've had enough. And then there's full and then there's stuffed where it's painful and it's uncomfortable. And, um, you know, and then going the other way. Okay, then your stomach's, you know, when it's two thirds to three quarters of the way full, you know, that's when the stomach, you know, basically it functions at its optimum. And so it basically takes the, the food and it digests it. Well, the, the stomach becomes empty and, you know, there's an empty feeling. Well, that's still not hunger. You know, what happens is when you, you go through all of the nutrition, you know, that was in your stomach, it's in your bloodstream and, and then when your your uh, cellular level, you've processed that food, it sends a signal. I'm hungry at the cellular level, and it's it's you know like I used to do intermittent fasting where I do it on a clock, and I say, okay, I'm I'm 
you know, I'm going to go 18 hours not eating. I'm going to eat for six hours. And those six hours, man, I'd kill it. Uh, but the, on the cellular level, you don't know when you're going to get hungry, you know, and you don't know how much you need to eat. Like if I've got a, if I've got a, 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 a very active day, you know, then I'm going to be triggered to eat quicker. I'm probably going to eat a little bit more. I'm probably going to eat things that are more calorie dense. Um, and then days that I'm more, you know, that I've got something where I'm not as physically active, you know, like to, I'll, I'll be honest with you today, you know, I walked with my wife this morning and then I had some stuff to do uh, later in the afternoon. And to be honest with you, I, I usually eat around, you know, 12, one o'clock. And I just, w I just was not as active today. I ended up eating around three o'clock. And, and I'm going to tell you, used to, that would freak me out. I mean, used to, I'd say, man, I'm really depriving myself and man, I'm going to starve and, I'm, you know, and, and it's just a real bad thing. And I just didn't think about it. I mean, I just didn't get hungry, you know? And so now the difference is, you know, I think I'm eating for the right reason. Cellular hunger is you're eating for fuel and that's the, the main purpose. And for, and again, I, I do think that food is modern day medicine. I think it's a modern day performance drug. I do. I, yeah. That's how I approach it. And I think, you know, something that I have learned is when your stomach starts to growl, right? Like I, my, my stomach rarely growled because I would pretty much keep it at the full level. Right. But when your stomach starts to growl, your actual body starting to go to work, you know, like that's not a negative, like that's not a, that don't mean you're close to death. Right. That, that means that your body's burning fat. Finally, you know what I mean? That's a great point. You know, the, the one thing too, like that I got into the habit of doing was when, um, you know, when I would feel that sensation or would feel hunger, you know, I'd sit there and say, well, finally it's here and I'm, and I'm, I'm accomplishing my goal. I just started looking at it differently, you know, and, and the hunger will go away. The hunger will subside. You know, when you, when you, when you're hungry at the cellular level, it's a constant you know it won't go away and, and, you, and you can tell you can tell the difference but I do remember you know getting out of the the mindset of panicking when I was hungry man I need to eat and that and that's a bad thing you know but you know really looking forward to the onset of hunger and knowing the longer I can go and feel that the more you know the you know I'm sure that my my goals are being accomplished for sure all right let me ask you this and and ladies and gentlemen you are talking to a football coach right he's not a a uh, biomedical doctor, although, um, you know, sometimes football coaches get a bad rep, right? You know, they teach PE, roll the ball out, you know, they dumb. I would say that you break the mold on that on that uh, for folks. All right, let me ask you this. We, we celebrate the other night. We celebrate my wife's 50th birthday, right? We have a party, man. We go to a friend's house. We have a good time. At the end of the night, man, you go inside, and there are – there are 14 cakes, okay? Like, and there are some of them that are fantastic. And I ain't gonna lie to you. There was a there was one that was chocolate with white icing, and the cake was very moist. And I'm just like, I eat a piece, okay? Like I just do. Okay. So tell me, like, did I really fail or is it okay to reward yourself every once in a while? You know, uh, what a great question. I think to me that again you're in it for the long haul you know that was a special occasion and i've heard you say this too you know uh i don't think that that's a mistake i don't think that's anything bad i think that's just a choice and you're partaking in those activities with people and uh i don't think there's anything wrong with that you know like to me 
I think it comes down to this. It goes back to the, the James Clear thing. You know, just don't make that decision, you know, two times in a row. If the next meal you had had a piece of cake and then the next meal, well, now you're going down the path of a habit, you know, if that happens. So, you know, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, like if you, you know, if you eat a slice of pizza or eat a pizza, whatever it is, you know, that's not the end of the world. But, you know, just know that just don't do two in a row, you know. Yeah, that's one of the standards that I have adopted is never miss two because, you know, when I'm establishing the habit of walking, it really freaked me out to miss a day. And I I would not miss a day. Like I went, I went several months, you know, that I would not miss. If it was raining, I went to a treadmill. If it was, but then as the volume increased or like the other day when we had the three mile race, like I have learned that. You know, I have to I have to be careful because if I go out there and, you know, get a stress fracture in my foot, then I'm not going to walk forever. So the day after the three mile deal, you know, I didn't walk and it didn't freak me out, you know, like I'm not going to miss two. So I went the next day, you know, and um, same way with the cake, you know, like we may celebrate, you know, and eat, but we're not going to make a habit of it because, man, it can go back the way it was in a heartbeat. Right. I mean, it's not. You know, there's no how many how many folks in this world have lost a bunch of weight and gained it back, right? I mean, hey, I'll ask you this. You know, like when you finish eating the cake, like this one thing I find out sometimes is like when I eat something is is really calorie dense, and when it's over, with, I just you know like it tastes really good at the time, but after it's over, with, I get the sugar high and I get the crash or whatever, and I go. You know, and I, I remember that, you know, it goes back to that thing when you were talking with Damon West about playing the video forward. You know, like I sometimes I look at that and I think when I eat this, it's going to taste really like when you're talking about that chocolate cake and it's moist, it's got that white ice. I'm sitting right here. I can taste it right now. <laughs> but I can also just like he did that red wine. And yes. for me, you know, I can play the tape forward. You know, how am I going to feel physically, you know, you know, after I eat it? But again, like I said, I think that's, you know, especially, you know, you got some, an occasion like that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, now if you yeah, didn't, that would have been bad. That's right. Well, you know, like I know, um, you know, that it, it all revolves around discipline, discipline to make great decisions all the time, you know, and it is really, really hard, you know, um, especially when that's what your identity is, you know. I'll tell you what I think too, like, uh, since I've got off processed food tonight, I had a cantaloupe and uh, that thing was so sweet. You know, your taste buds change and things that are natural, like an apple or a grape. Golly bum. They taste so good. I'm just surprised how good they taste. Uh, you know, how sweet they are and stuff. But anyway, you know, your taste buds change, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, like I read a story about how, Doritos are made okay because I love Doritos like I could I'm telling you I could eat a bag lick the dust and be ready to roll right I read a story about the way that they're made you know like anything that's nutritious is sucked out of it you know and it's dried up into this little um triangle form and then it's made intentionally coated with that stuff and the thought was to leave some on your finger so that it would always leave you wanting more, you know? And when I read that, it just really, it really made me mad. I'm like, man, these jokers are, you know, like they're playing mind games with me. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've not had a Dorito in a year and a half. Like, I don't think I will ever eat another Dorito, you know, now, you know, I, I do eat 
a piece of cake every once in a while or something, but I'm not eating a Dorito. The thing about those too is, you know, when they suck the nutritious thing, when you go to eat, your body's looking for nutritious. The cells are searching for some kind of nutrition. The reason you eat the whole bag is you're look the, at the cellular level. No doubt. You can even be full and you're still, gosh, I'm still hungry for something. Well, you're hungry for nutrients, you know, and that's what processed food does. You know, it, it says it's to, you know, they're doing it in the name of preserving the food, but at the end of the day, you know, anything that matters of value that can give you energy or help you in any way, it's gone, you know, and the, and the sales know it. They are not creating processed food for our health. They are creating processed food for their pocketbooks and they're hoping that we'll continue to go back and buy it. So we are as fat in this country as we've ever been, you know, and, and a lot of that in part is due to the processed food that we probably all need to kick back a notch or two. Well, I'm going to tell you what, Chris, I have um, really enjoyed it. I'm really honored that you would come on here, man. I'm excited. I can't wait for people to learn more about Chris Yeager, the greatest high school football coach in America played for a state championship this past year. And, um, you know, we could get into talking football and he would blow your mind about that too. But this is so much more important, I think, over the long haul. So I'm very thankful um, that you came on and shared with us, man. If there's any ever anything I can ever do for you, please don't hesitate. John, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciate you.